All right. Hello, hello, hello. Welcome to the next episode of the Pacers Pod. It is Monday, November 23rd, and I am ready to talk about the Pacers. I'm done with work, clocked out, ready to do the fun job. Talking about the Pacers. Uh, we So yeah, like I said, 23rd of November, meaning that we are less than a month away from the beginning of the next NBA season. Games are supposed to start December 22nd. And man, there is there's a lot that I want to touch base with uh, tonight on this episode of the Pacers Pod. So we've had we had the NBA draft. We've got about like four or five days worth of uh, free agency. Uh, we've had some well, not a ton of roster moves, but I'll go ahead and and, and kind of get into that here in a second. Hope everybody's doing well. It's um, it's Thanksgiving week. I'll be heading over to Champaign, Illinois to uh, hang out with my family and looking forward to that. Hopefully everybody, I know with with COVID and stuff, you know, you don't want to be spreading it around, but at the same time, you got to spread the love, you know, so um, best of luck to us all as we navigate these waters. all right, so today or tonight's episode, I want to talk touch base on some of the some of the roster transactions that have happened since the last time we spoke, and then also I've got some player recaps to get into. Um, this is going to be a little bit more interesting because we're dealing with the uh, second set of players, the middle, what I would consider numbers six through ten on the Pacers roster last year. And uh, we're going to go from there. So to start off with, NBA draft. Pacers did not have a first-round pick. um, But we had pick number 54 in the second round. And the Pacers took Cassius Stanley, a 6'6 guard uh, with unbelievable athleticism. Uh, He was a freshman at Duke last year in the shortened season. And I love the pick. Just right out, right out of the gates. I love the pick. I think when you're picking in the second round, like why not take a home run swing? And to me, Cassius Stanley is kind of a home run swing where he's the kind of guy that is either going to make it or he's not. And because I, I mean, he's got the tools. He's six foot six, plays two guard, small forward, probably more. Um, I, I like, I, uh, let's see here. I, I know that he's, he, every, everybody's talks about his athleticism because it's off the charts. He's got a, he recorded a vertical leap at his, in his freshman year at Duke of 46 and a half inches, which is higher than Zion Williamson. And so now you're already in elite company. Uh, he averaged like 12 points a game at Duke, which isn't that much. But then when you think about it, you're like, well, he was at Duke. He was apparently, and I don't I don't really watch college basketball, but I guess he was like their fourth. He was a top 100 guy, I think, uh, coming out of high school. And when you go to Duke, you know, they get, they get the top talent. So he kind of went in at Duke and Kentucky. 
uh, you know, they're kind of like NBA systems in a way where like, you're not, you don't necessarily, you can be a freshman at Duke or Kentucky and not put up great numbers, but still end up being a great player. Like, I think back to Devin Booker, I believe, with Kentucky. Like, I don't think he had like a great college year, but obviously he's the guy he is now. And I'm not comparing uh, Cassius Stanley to Devin Booker, but there's an opportunity that you take a highly recruited guy. Well, there's a reason why he was highly recruited because, you know, you had uh, three, four, five years of high school, junior high um, games to watch. And, and he was obviously ranked super high amongst his peers at that time in his life. And he's good enough to go to Duke on a scholarship. And then, and then, you know, now you look at it like, all right, well, he had one year at Duke. He only averaged 12 points a game. Like, what could he really do in the NBA? Yeah, maybe. Maybe you're right. I don't know. Maybe he might, it might not translate. But at pick number 54, to me, it's like, this guy could hit. And the little bit of research, I had never heard of Cassius Stanley prior to the Pacers drafting him. So all this knowledge, quote unquote knowledge, is based off of uh, just watching videos on YouTube now for the past week uh, since he was drafted. And I, if, if you're interested in Cassius Stanley, I would recommend watching. So Gilbert Arenas, Gilbert Arenas was a NBA player 10 years ago or so, top all NBA type player. He's got a really good interest. He's got a really interesting podcast with like high school to college level players. And Cassius Stanley did his podcast the night before the NBA draft. And it's it's interesting. I mean, so now, I mean, we're, it was like November 17th. So we're talking like a week, well, a week ago, you get 48 minutes of the draft pick, a.k.a. Cassius Stanley sitting on the couch with Gilbert Arenas and then Gilbert Arenas' co-host just shooting the shit, talking basketball, talking high school basketball. And you get 48 minutes. I didn't watch all 48, um, but I got the impression that this guy believes that he is going to be a, a thing in the NBA. Like, like he... So this, this, this interview, it's interesting. The interview was before the draft. And I don't, I don't know what his expectations were. I mean, I think most people had, like, from what I've heard on other podcasts, were, like, projecting Cassius Stanley to be, like, you know, maybe, like, early to mid uh, second round. So he wasn't projected to be a top pick. And he knew that. And so, um, but he's, he checks a lot of boxes, man. He checks a lot of boxes. I mean, his size being six foot six, the athleticism, which is unbelievable. Um, he's, he's plugged into the NBA community. Now, that doesn't guarantee that he's going to be a good NBA player. But his dad was, or his dad is a, a sports agent. I, I don't know if it's NBA or not. I would assume it's basketball related, but it, it might not be. His mom was a heptathlete at, I think, UCLA. Uh, I, I think she competed at like the world stage. So he's got the pedigree. Oh, shit. That just makes me think about Madden. I remember back when I would play Madden, uh, the NFL game. You could like pick your parents whenever you were going to like maybe create a player or something. And, you know, 
Cassius Stanley, he's got the perfect parents. He's got a sports agent dad, an unbelievable athlete as a mom. It checks a lot of boxes. Um, and so, like, for the Pacers, to me, I'm like, damn, this is a great... I mean, for number 54, he, I mean, this is awesome. He's already had guys like... like, Well, okay, so Russell Westbrook is somebody that he um, knows very well and trains with. Uh, Magic Johnson's come out and said, like, look out for this kid, essentially. Obviously, he was on Gilbert Arenas' podcast, and this is all kind of like Los Angeles area prep high school basketball scene. He's very, he's very good in that, in that, in that uh, arena. And um, Gilbert Arenas, you know, he's talking like, man, like, Cassius is going to come in, and, and the way that he's been competing, obviously, like, the college basketball season got cut short. But he's like been he's been run he's been running with like written with in really good competition. And so he might be able to come in and make an impact right away uh, because, you know, these NBA guys with the shortened with the shortened uh, preseason there. Actually, I don't think there were even I don't know if there is going to be a preseason this year. Um, but, you know, I don't know. I'm excited. So. Um, Victor Oladipo, our guy, he, he, he tweeted out to Cassius after the draft saying, welcome to the family. It's Westbrook. It's, it's Magic Johnson. It's Gilbert Arenas. A lot of, a lot of, a lot of high name NBA players are signing off on this guy. And that is uh, pretty exciting for me. And I think for all of us, we, we should be pretty excited. You know, it, it doesn't necessarily mean that he's going to, he's going to be playing in the playoffs this year, but it's it's nice to I mean to me, he's he's way more exciting than Nas Mitra Long or Alize Johnson or Brian Bowen. You know, no offense to those three guys, but like at at that point, at that at that spot in our roster, like I'd rather have some guys that might hit it big. And uh Cassius Stanley's gonna be coming. And and I think if you're a guy like Edmund Sumner. Uh, you, you, he, that'd be like kind of the first guy that he could take off the roster or move ahead of would be, would be our, would be our guy, Edmund Sumner, who I do like, uh, but my hopes would be that Cassius Stanley would, would, would be a better player than Edmund Sumner, someone who could contribute. And I'd like to see Stanley start pressing up against guys like, uh, Jeremy Lamb and, and Aaron Holiday on the roster We'll see. He might spend a lot of time in the G League. He might spend all of his time in the G League. We don't know. But six foot six, 46 and a half inch vertical, average 12 points a game at Duke. Uh, freshman, he's young. I think he's 20 or 21 years old. I mean, unbelievable dunks. If, I mean, if you're bored, just please go watch some of the dunks. He floats. He's my favorite type of dunker. He just floats in the air. Um, I'm excited about Cash Stanley. I think I think the Pacers. That was an amazing. Like, who cares? Like, odds are that there's you're going to get nothing from this player, and that might be the case with Cassius. But I don't know, man. The fact that you got Gilbert Arenas, Russell Westbrook, Magic Johnson. These guys are kind of like, man. These is he I, like who we don't know, but. I'm excited. I think I'm about as excited as you could be for the 54th pick of the draft. And that's kind of what I do. I get really excited about all the transactions that happen 
with the Pacers. Um, I don't think there's really anything else to add here with with, with Cassius, but it's uh, it's exciting. It's it's really it really is exciting. So all right, moving on. We have another another little change to personnel coaching wise. Um, the Pacers hired another assistant coach by the name of Calvert Cheney. And Calvert Cheney, obviously, Indiana legend. Uh, spent some time. He spent some time with Tom Crean, I believe, at IU. I I, I definitely have I've fallen off the IU bandwagon. I, I was so diehard from the time I was probably eight years old till 20 nine years old i watched 98 percent of the iu basketball games and in that stretch calvert cheney was the shit um it's my podcast so i'll tell the story i was a third grader i had just moved to a new school and i wanted a basketball jersey so freaking bad and so for my birthday my parents bought me a Glenn Robinson jersey. So this was back when so when I was in third grade, that would have probably been like 94 or 95 time frame. And open up my it's it's my birthday. I think I had asked for an NBA jersey. Or maybe I hadn't even. Maybe my mom was just so sweet that she just was like, this kid loves basketball. I'm gonna get him this jersey. But I opened up this jersey and it was like Glenn Robinson, number 13, Milwaukee Bucks. And I was like, what the fuck is this? You know, without saying that, that's kind of what I was thinking, because I was like, this guy went to Purdue. I'm an IU fan. Like, why would you give me a Purdue? Like, why would you give me a Purdue jersey? And I remember my mom being willing to return that jersey. And letting me pick out a different jersey. And I walked home with the number 40 Washington Washington Bullets bright red Calvert Cheney jersey. That shit was straight fire. As a third grader, Calvert Cheney Bullets number 40. And granted, I don't know if I said this already, but this was, I was going in, I, I had just moved, we had just moved from my old school. So like my, I went to kindergarten at one school first and second grade at another school, and then starting third grade, and that's where I ended up graduating. But I walked into third grade, and you know I wore that jersey the first day. I think I wore that jersey three times a week that entire year, but I walk into my new school only knowing a couple kids from my neighborhood. Nobody happened to be in my class. Had my Calvert Cheney jersey on. Washington Bullets. I walk into the class, and then there's a kid wearing a Washington Bullets jersey, Chris Weber. Number two, Chris Weber. And it was like, I made it. I was cool right off the bat. We hit it off. It was like we were basically on the same fucking team, wearing the same jerseys and shit, just different players. It was perfect. Um, that's basically what happened with the Calvert Cheney jersey, you know? I uh, don't know where I'm, you know, it's kind of hard to tie that one off, but I guess, you know, I guess I, I, what I'll say is that Calvert Cheney has a special place in my heart. 
And it's not because I necessarily remember him playing basketball. It's more the sentimental value of Calvert Chaney. And I remember being excited whenever he went to Indiana as a coach, as an assistant coach. I think it was under Tom Crean. Just being like, damn, it's, it's good to have Calvert Chaney around. Uh, so what's he doing now? Well, like the last two seasons, Calvert Chaney's been coaching in the G League. Uh, now he's coming up. He's on the Pacers staff. We already have Bill Baino, Greg Foster, uh, the new guy, Canales. I can't think of his first name off the bat, on the, off the top of my head. But, you know, new, and now we got Cumber Chaney. So kudos to the Pacers. I'm excited about that. It's good to have Chaney around. Uh, I still have my jersey. Uh, I'm going to try to squeeze, that, squeeze into that maybe. Um, all right. Moving on. That was probably too long. Uh, about Calvert Chaney. Hang, hang in here with me. Let me pick up my pooch here. I got a, uh, oh, I got about a five or six year old Cavapoo that's uh, sitting on my lap now. She's, she, so my wife's, my wife's uh, in Florida already with her, with her parents for the holidays. And so the pooch is with me. And so she just kind of wants to sit here shotgun and that's okay, Harper. It's okay. All right, moving on, moving on here. We got, uh, let's see. So Calvert Chaney was hired. We drafted Cassius Stanley. Um, there was a trade. We got we traded TJ Leaf for Jalen LeCue. And at first glance, I didn't know anything about Jalen LeCue. Uh, I was happy to hear TJ Leaf got traded. I honestly didn't care what we were getting for TJ Leaf. The Pacers made this move um, in order to like dip below the salary cap. Or it's okay. How do I? I? I'm not real good at this stuff, but basically, it's like if the Pacers hadn't made this move, I they they were going to be in the luxury tax. I think meaning that they would have had to pay some sort of tax because their salaries were too high. Like some teams don't give a fuck. Like they they'll just they'll they'll spend way over. Like the Golden State Warriors, they'll spend way over the luxury tax. They don't care. They say tax us. Uh, we don't care. Money's not an issue. The Pacers are a team that's like, nah, bro, we're going to hang below this. That way we can take a portion of the teams that do go over the salary cap. They have to pay back with a penalty. And then that gets divided out amongst the teams that didn't go over. So the Pacers are like, yeah, we're not going to go over. We, we want that kickback. We're going to, we, we want that. And so anyways, TJ Leaf gets traded because he's been around long enough that he's actually worth like, I don't know. I think he was making probably $2 million a year or something. So you trade him off for uh, Jalen LeCue. And I had never heard of Jalen LeCue prior to, uh, prior to this TJ Leaf trade. But I just spent a little bit of time before I, before I started recording. And I, and I got to be honest, I, I want to look into this kid a little bit more. But he's, he's 20 years old. He went straight from high school to the NBA draft didn't get drafted. So then he spent last year with the Phoenix Suns uh, G League team. Somehow must have got traded to the Thunder because that's where TJ Leaf is going. Uh, but he's six foot four point guard. His nickname is Baby Westbrook. Once again, bringing up Russell Westbrook. And it's so crazy because you think about the Pacers roster, it's like we have nothing that resembles Russell Westbrook. And then with the two off-season move, off moves so far, or with these two being the draft pick of Cassius Stanley and the trade for Jalen LeCrew, 
Jalen the Q. It's L E C Q U E. We got two guys who flat out just pop, and they've got athleticism. They've got the they've got the type of athleticism that can make you a dynamic player in the NBA. The question is, do the other skills add up to be enough to make it feasible? Uh, but regardless, TJ Leap is gone. No more mustache slash pirates goatee. No more just kind of fluff is what I would, you know, TJ Leaf just never did anything that made me feel good about what he was bringing to the table. But I do wish him luck. I mean, actually, I don't really. Like, I would hate to see him go to OKC and succeed. Uh, yeah, no, that's not true. I wouldn't hate it. But I'm I'm fine. I'm happy with whatever happens in TJ Leaf's career moving forward. I'm glad that he's not on the Pacers this team on this year. I'm much more excited about Jalen LeCue than I am about TJ Leaf. So it's like we have two chances here. We got this six foot four Jalen LeCue. We've got six foot six Cassius Stanley, both freak athletes. Um both kind of high pedigree, like Jalen LeCue was like a top 100, um, which doesn't really transition, doesn't mean much like when you're talking about in terms of NBA. I bet, mo I mean, if not all, most of most NBA players were top 100 in high school. So he may not turn out to be anything. He spent last year in the G League uh, with the Phoenix Suns team. And we'll see. I mean, if anything, maybe he's just a G League player uh, for the Mad Ants. But we'll see. Six foot four. I like that size coming out of that point guard position at 20 years old. High class recruit. Um, I'll take that any day over TJ Leaf at this point. Um, all right. I'm going to hit one other one other roster move. This I talked about this guy last in my last episode, Jakar Sampson. Uh, Jakar, I thought, had a great year for the Pacers last year. I wanted to see them pick him up. And they did. They signed him to a one-year deal for the minimum, which is like, that's money in the bank. You, I, I think Jakar Sampson has a role on this team. Maybe. It, he, it's, per, he, he's the, it's like, he might be decent. He, like, he might, he's only 27 years old, so Jakar might be able to carve out himself a, a little bit bigger role in this team moving forward. But if he doesn't, so what? Uh, but I'm glad to see that the Pacers, you know, rewarded him for the solid year that he had last year. And we're paying him. He's going to be here next year. I don't know what that deal is worth. It's all, it's only a one-year deal for the minimum. So I would think it's no more than $2 million, maybe like $1 to $2 million a year or for the next next year. And, and I'm, def, I'm definitely good with that. Um, all right. There's, there's just a ton of shit to hit on right now. I'm trying to kind of go through this, but... Um, the, these, the, so dirt, all right. So we went over the draft, Cassius Stanley, I'd say for the pick at 54, I would give that a, uh, a, an A, an A grade. I mean, I mean, you're taking a home run swing, like either he's probably going to be able to play in the NBA and contribute or he's not. Um, but I, I just really like the fact that he's got all these people that are well-known within the NBA that know the NBA that seem to think he's going to make it. And I, I've said it before at the top, but 
I would really encourage watching, uh, I can't think of the podcast name, but it's Gilbert Arenas and, and he sits down with, uh, Cassius Stanley. It's, it, it, it's, it's, it's an interesting, it's an interesting watch. So, um, but yeah, so we got to the draft, we're into free agency and boy, the Pacers have been, I mean, honestly, ever since the end of the, uh, when the Pacers season ended in the bubble, we were hearing about Vic, we were hearing about Miles Turner, um, you know, getting traded and they were definitely circulating. I mean, th- that never quieted down. Um, we were hearing about Gordon Hayward potentially coming to the Pacers, uh, Bogdan Bogdanovich possibly coming to the Pacers, and all these deals involved Miles Turner or Oladipo in some ways, maybe. Um, I, I think that, you know, well, you know, basically nothing happened. Nothing happened. And Gordon Hayward ended up signing a big fat contract with the Charlotte Hornets and Bogdanovich who was a shooting guard, not, not our, not, not bogey, but, but Bogdan, uh, he was with the Sacramento Kings. He ended up signing with Atlanta Hawks and I'm fine with it, to be honest. Like I was getting excited. I talked myself into Gordon Hayward. Um, but when I heard that the Celtics were wanting Miles Turner and TJ Warren or Victor Oladipo, I was like, nah, I'm, I'm not cool with that. And I honestly, like, I'm fine with this. I'm fine with the, that the Pacers, uh, let me let me skip to the end here. Free agency, it looks like the Pacers aren't, they're not making any moves. It looks like we're coming into next season with all the guys that we're already familiar with. We're looking at Sabonis, Brogdon, Oladipo, Turner, TJ Warren, Jeremy Lamb, Aaron Holiday, Goga Bataze, um, Doug McDermott. TJ McConnell, and then Justin Holiday. They signed Justin Holiday to a three-year, $18 million a year con, or not, excuse me, not $18 million a year, three years, $18 million contract, so $6 million a year, which is a bar, I mean, that's a bargain deal. I love Justin Holiday, and I'm so happy that the Pacers and Justin were able to work out a deal um, where, okay, so here's the thing. So um, Justin Holiday gets... A three-year contract. He's 31 years old, so we're getting him for like the 31, 32, 33, 34-year-old range. Six million a year. That's not breaking the bank. He's a contributor. I think he's going to play in the playoffs. Uh, I'll talk about Justin a little bit more, but you can com- later. But you can compare that to like Joe Harris, who, in a vacuum, uh, I would probably take Joe Harris over Justin Holiday. Uh, and I'm just making this up as I go because Joe Harris, a little bit younger, probably a little bit better shooter. Um, but Joe Harris just got paid by the Brooklyn Nets like four years, 60 million, like 15 million a year. So like to me, it's like the Pacers are getting Justin Holiday, who might not be quite as good as Joe Harris, but he's a hell, he's a hell of a player for six million a year. I'll take that any day. I mean. Doug McDermott's getting seven. So I thought that was a great signing by the Pacers. And I guess, you know, more than just the fact that Holiday got signed at a reasonable deal, he was one of the guys who was kind of vocal about the locker room being a mess during the bubble. 
And I thought he wanted out. Like, I, like to me, Justin Holiday seemed like someone who was kind of saying, like, fuck this. I don't want to play with these guys. Um, or he, let me, let me, let me rephrase that. Not that he necessarily wanted out, but the fact that, like, he wasn't afraid to call out the bullshit. And Justin, when you look at the Pacers roster, Justin Holiday is the oldest man on the team. And he's only 31, but he's still the oldest man on the team. And so as, as the elder statesman, he's probably, I haven't, I'm just speaking off the cuff here. He has, he has an NBA championship. Now he wasn't, he wasn't the most, uh, Deserving is not the right word, but like he wasn't an impactful player uh, for the Golden State Warriors when they won that uh, NBA championship. But he was on the roster. He spent the year with the team, was on a championship team. He has a he has a championship ring, and that does mean something. And he's the oldest guy on this team. And he saw, I think he probably saw Vic, and he probably saw Miles, and. Some what I don't know what was going on in the locker room. I think that's what we're, all of us Pacer fans are trying to figure out is like, like what was going on, you know. But Justin, the fact that he was willing to re up with the Pacers, it makes me feel better about the locker room going into this next season. Even though the two guys that I think we needed to be worried about are st- still on the roster. I mean. He took the money. He's going to be with the Pacers three years, 18 mil. I'm, uh, I'm, I'm super happy about that signing. And uh, let's see. All right. Um, okay. That's, that's, that's just the, the hit. So we signed Jakar. Jakar Sampson's coming back. Justin Holiday's coming back. No more TJ Leaf. We're going to see if Cassius Stanley or Jalen McHugh can make the roster regardless we're gonna have a uh, a pretty entertaining g league team if those guys don't make it um i did see that the pacers cut ways with brian bowen and uh nas mitru long who else who else was in that fringe okay they signed um they signed a big guy who like seven foot kind of just a rim protector um, Amid, I'm not messing this name up. He's he he played at UConn. Amid Brahma, sorry, I, I don't think that's right. I don't have it in my notes, but he did. He, he the Pacers signed him last year for training camp, and he didn't make the roster. That happened again this year, so we'll see if he makes a roster this year or not. Um, and I didn't see if he if he uh, how he did last year. I don't know if he was with the Pacers G League team or whatnot, but. Uh, all right, we are in the weeds with that one. I apologize. Let's bring it back out. Um, all right, I want to talk now about last season a little bit and do some player recaps on Justin Holiday, TJ McConnell, Doug McDermott, Aaron Holiday, and Jeremy Lamb. So I mentioned Justin Holiday earlier with the contract. Uh, he signed a new contract with the Pacers, so we got him for the next three years. Justin is our vet. He is a... Um, uh, probably a pretty big voice, I would think, in, in the locker room. And he deserved that contract, man. Like, Justin's a guy, I mentioned that he was with Golden State and won a championship, but he bounced around the league. I mean, he was with Golden State, Memphis, Chicago, um, probably other teams. Basically, he, he hasn't really been with one team for very long. And so 
this 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 was his, this past season was his first year with the Pacers, and I thought he was an awesome fit for the team. I mean, he he uh, he overshot my expectations. I mean, he brought a lot. Uh, I mean, especially coming off the bench. Hell, he started in the playoffs. I mean, he started uh, maybe two games in the in in the playoffs this year. Um, granted, we only had four games, but he did start two of those games. Um, but when you're looking back to last season with with Justin Holiday, I mean, he's a typical three and D guy at six foot six. He's a little lanky, uh, but he's kind of long. He plays tough. He's not afraid to mix it up with guys. Um, he shot forty percent from three. He averaged one point two steals per game, which I think is a pretty big deal when you're talking about the number of minutes that he got. Uh, he you know he averaged twenty five minutes a game, which is very solid. It's not like high end level minutes, but it's not um, it's not like bench player minutes. Like twenty five minutes a game is like you're getting in there. Uh, he uh, he. I thought he was just an awesome fit for the team. I thought he brought a lot of intangibles, um, like his like I mentioned, like his toughness. He he's he's able to impact the game without scoring. And when you look when you're I, from my perspective, like when you're at the Pacers. You've got guys that can score. Like we can run through the twenty point per game scores on it on any given night. Being Vic, Sabonis, T.J. Warren, Malcolm Brogdon. Uh, you don't necessarily need somebody. You don't necessarily need somebody. Like not all roles need to be scoring. Is what I'm getting at. And I think Justin Holiday has the ability to to have a role on this team moving forward. I'm talking, and I'm talking about for the duration of his of his contract. So for the next three years. He has a role. It's not a starter. It's off the bench, but it's it's playing solid. I mean, playing really above average defense, being smart, being durable, reliable, filling for injuries during the regular season. This past season, he played all seventy three games. Um, you know, be be a leader, be a be a mentor. He's obviously a mentor to Aaron Holiday, his his younger brother. Um, but I just I think Justin Holiday can bring well he did he brought a lot to the team last year and I think he can bring more over these next three seasons even if his production on the floor is less he can still bring he can still be very valuable and there's another guy that I'm going to talk about uh, here that is kind of similar in my mind as to as to what makes them the most impactful to the Pacers so. I think Justin's going to be an important role um, on this team. I would encourage, so he's got, he does these vlogs, which is like a video blog, and he was doing them during the bubble, maybe even before that. I haven't, haven't watched a ton of it, um, but Justin just, like, I've watched some of them, and he just seems like a, he just seems like a good dude, and uh, on the, on the, on one of the vlogs he had, this was one where it was like coming out of the bubble. I just wanted to share this because it's just, it was really sweet. I don't have children, but this one almost made me like, I almost like teared up when I was, when I was watching this because it was like, he was in the bubble for, you know, I mean, when they probably got there beginning of July and then the Pacers got bounced maybe middle of August, late August. So he's probably two months away from, uh, two months away from his family and, and he has a, a daughter who's probably two or three years old and um, I remember it just so happened that 
last year, last year I was able to go to a bunch of Pacers games because I was down in Indianapolis for for the for the winter, most of the winter. And the first game that we went to, um, my wife and I were we we were seated, and we were about a row behind Justin Holiday's Justin and Aaron's dad, and then we were next to Justin's, I'm assuming wife. And she had their baby girl uh, with her. And like, um, I didn't know that at the time. But anyways, it was just, you know, it's just, uh, I am I sound like a, uh, a dude who's off his rocker talking about other kids, other, other guys' kids. But in this vlog, you see Just, Justin Holiday like sets his phone up as he's walking to the door, like after two months being away. He rings the doorbell and that his daughter is like the first one there to greet him. And she's like, I missed you, daddy. And it was just, it's very heartwarming. I, I honestly, I was, I was really uh, kind of moved by that moment. And so I appreciate Justin sharing that. He seems like a good dude. And then the fact that we have Aaron, who I'm super excited about moving forward. I'm just, I'm really happy with this signing. I, at $6 million a year, I think it's a bargain, honestly. I think, I think the Pacers could do far worse uh, with six million a year, than, than have Justin Holiday on the books. Uh, so I'm looking forward to Justin, and you know, contributing to this team as as we move into the the next couple seasons. Um. All right. The next guy I want to do a recap on is the the other guy who I kind of mentioned when I was talking about Justin Holiday and maybe how his role might be diminished, but it's still important. Um. And that is T.J. McConnell. So. This was, we had a bunch of new guys this year, man. So TJ McConnell, um, hold on a second. My dog is all wrapped up in my headphones. All right, Pooch, get out of here. All right. Okay, so TJ McConnell, first year with the Pacers. Um, straight, right out the bat, man. And it's not because he's an undersized white guy, I promise. But he is a household favorite. <laughs> He's a household favorite. My wife has his jersey. Talking number nine statement yellow jersey. Um, I love TJ McConnell. Every time he was on the court, you just know like he, he's not gonna he's not gonna bang down threes. He's not gonna dunk, but he's gonna bring the energy. He's gonna he's gonna um, he's gonna give it all, man. And that's a good tone to set. You need guys that don't have the most talent. They don't have the most. Uh, pedigree to, to stand on, but that, but they go out there and they put it out there on the line every single time they're out on the court. They, to me, McConnell brings like a sense of, um, reverency, uh, to the NBA game. It's like, look, man, don't take anything for granted. Every, I'm going to, if like, you think you can just inbound the pass and, 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 and it's going to go right to your guy without, without even thinking about it like hell no man i'm gonna be in there and i'm gonna i'm gonna pick that pass off you can't just nonchalantly turn around with a loose dribble it's mine and he just brings like this level of intensity that is contagious and i i love that about tj mcconnell he's he was a spark plug off the bench um he's just a dude that maximizes his gifts and he's he is a hell of a playmaker he is good um on the defensive end and he obviously brings a ton of, of, of effort. 
When I say playmaking, so TJ McConnell averaged five assists a game this past year in only 18 minutes. So he averaged 18 minutes a game, but he also averaged five assists. And I was like, damn, that's a lot of assists for a bench guy. And I was thinking, I wonder like what his assist per 36 would, would stack up. Does anybody have a guess? When you, when you, when you put in per 36 last season, who averaged the most assists in the league? I'm thinking Luca, Trey Young, LeBron, um, Chris Paul. Well, TJ McConnell, he comes in at number three behind LeBron and Ricky Rubio. That's pretty damn good. And for a guy coming off your bench to be third in the league in assists per 36 minutes, especially at the especially with his low turnovers, I mean, TJ McConnell brings so much more than like he he brings a ton ton of shit to this team. And he's another guy that wasn't guaranteed to be on the team this year, but the Pacers opted into his second year of the contract. And so he's on the team at three and a half million. Um, I think about TJ, like the first, I mean, the first thing I think about is just the defensive pressure full court and how much I love that and how much I feel like that feeds the energy of the team. But he has high assist numbers. He's honestly pretty good in the, in the mid range. Like he, he can't shoot the three. He doesn't shoot the three though. So he's actually, at least he doesn't try to shoot the three. I mean, you would like to see him be able to knock that down. It would make him a lot more valuable, but who cares if he can't? He's, we don't need him to start. Um, to me, TJ McConnell is more, his value is on, it's almost more off the court. Like it's, it's being a guy that keeps all the practices honest. It's being a guy that challenges players like Aaron Holiday or Malcolm Brogdon, keep them in check. To me, he has a role on this team. He's only 28 years old. Um, so I'm looking, I'm looking forward to this next season to TJ McConnell. I like him as I like him on this team. Um, but I do think that his role might be cut back a little bit this year. So numbers-wise, he may not average five assists a game. But that might be a, that that might make the, the Pacers actually might be better. If TJ McConnell is not as good as he was this year for us, um, as long as he can hold on to being and and he would, I think TJ McConnell would be a guy who would who would be fine being on a team practicing every day. And if he, his number never gets called in a playoff game, I don't think that necessarily means that he is going to be a, a problem to deal with in the locker room. I actually think the opposite. I think he's he actually encouraged like so. The relationship with TJ McConnell and Aaron Holiday is interesting because, in, in, you know, on a roster, when you're looking at it just on paper, it's like Malcolm Brogdon's our starting point guard. I guess Aaron Holiday would be our backup point guard, but then you've got TJ McConnell. And those two split a lot of time, but Aaron, but TJ McConnell always, this whole season, you'd hear him talking about, oh, I'm so proud of Aaron Holiday. Aaron Holiday is doing all these things that, um, you know, or he's making leaps and bounds, like as far as improvement and stuff. And just the fact that like, he's in direct competition with Aaron holiday, you know, on paper. And the fact that he, all he does is praise Aaron holiday just to me speaks to the kind of, uh, character and teammate that, uh, TJ McConnell is. And he's a guy that I would like to see 
stick around. I love I love I love that sort of team first mentality. And the truth is, like, I don't know if, if TJ McConnell will be an impactful player uh, in the playoffs. Like when you look at this past this past season, he, he wasn't able to really impact the playoffs. His minutes went from game one, 13, game two, 10, game three, four, game four, zero minutes, DNP. He wasn't able to like make his game translate in the playoffs this past season against the Heat. I don't think that necessarily means that moving forward, he, he can't ever play in the playoffs. But even if he's just a, a regular season, you know, backup point guard, add some depth, like, you know what you're getting with McConnell. And, and I'll take that all the time. Like, I want Aaron Holiday to to ascend and TJ McConnell to kind of descend. Like, I'd like to see a little bit of, of a gap where you're like, oh, dude, <laughs> Aaron is Aaron is way better than TJ McConnell. Last year, you couldn't really say that. I mean, you could say that Aaron's better than TJ, but it wasn't necessarily obvious. Like, my hope is that going into next season, it's obvious that Aaron's better than TJ. But if it's not, or, or I mean, I hope that's the case. But even if, and if that is the case, that doesn't mean that I don't think TJ McConnell is valuable because he can be super valuable to this team without putting up points or assists or steals in the box score. Just his presence alone, I think is a, it is, is, uh, it's, it's what we need. So I think he has a role in this team, especially with like Nate Bjorken this year, you know, what I hope to see is like, as we, as we're going through the regular season, like depending on the team that's in here, him using the, the, the depth of our roster as a real strength, um, and I think I think Bjorken's going to love TJ McConnell, and I think vice versa. I think McConnell's going to love Bjorken. Um, all right, moving on, moving on. So that was uh, that was Justin Holiday. That was TJ McConnell. Those are kind of our vets. Like Justin's thirty-one, McConnell's twenty-eight. They're both going to be back next year. Um, this guy is also one of our vets. He's going to be back next year. This is this was his second year with the Pacers. Uh, Dougie McDermott McBuckets. Uh, he was another guy similarly to Justin Holiday, bounced around the league before he got to the Pacers. And his first season with the Pacers, um, I I liked I liked some of the things that Doug McDermott would do, but I was ultimately kind of like uninspired by it. I thought this last season McDermott stepped it up. Um and specifically, he stepped it up by being a gunner on offense. Whenever he was out there, he was looking for a shot. Um, a ton of a ton of times this past season, he'd be coming off a screen, flying 100 miles an hour, catch the ball in rhythm, turn and shoot. No questions asked. Like he was looking to gun, and that made the world of difference, in my opinion, uh, for Doug McDermott. He was. Uh, he averaged 20 minutes a game this year compared to like 17 the prior year. He would not only just spot up, but like I mentioned, going off the screens. He is a three-point specialist. So two years ago, he averaged 2.7 three-point attempts a game. This past season, he bumped that up to 4.3 attempts a game. And with and so he increased the volume of three-point shots and he also increased his percentage. He hit 43% of his threes this year which is a big deal. 43% is 
I mean, I don't know for sure. Like, not many guys are going to shoot 43%. And at four attempts a game, that makes Doug McDermott A-OK with me. His points per game jumped from seven to ten. Um, the problem with McDermott is when the shot's not dropping, there's not much that's going on. There's not He's not doing much else out on the court to to affect winning. And when he has cold streaks, it's, he's one of the guys that I kind of, <laughs> I get pissed off at uh, McDermott because you're like, because he just doesn't, he doesn't give you much else. He, he's not going to be able to lock anybody up on the defensive end. He's not really going to get in there and get you a bunch of rebounds. He's not going to play make and, and, and find guys. He's not going to do anything defensively as far as steals or blocks. All he really does is shoot the basketball and that's okay. Similarly to TJ McConnell, not really having like a game that translates well into a bunch of areas of basketball. Doug McDermott's kind of the same way. His game doesn't translate well into like a well-rounded player, but he's a hell of a shooter. And if he just leans into that and you got to shoot. And I mean, I know firsthand, like that is exactly how I was as a basketball player. All I could do was shoot. I was a Knights of Columbus free throw champion. Um, I was a, a good three-point shooter in high school, but I was not, I was a runt. I didn't get consistent playing time. And so whenever I did get in the game, the expectation was make a three or two. And when you don't, when you shoot it and you miss it, you're bringing nothing else to the table. And that's exactly how I was. And I feel like Doug McDermott is kind of the same way on the NBA level. Like when he's not hitting his shots, like, dude, we got every, every, literally everybody else on this team would be better out here right now than you when you're not hitting these shots. But you've got to shoot the shots like you're going to make them. And that's what he did this year. He was more aggressive and it, and it worked. Um, on the downside, he had another horrible playoffs. Like, McDermott was awful last year in the playoffs against Boston. He was unplayable. And, and once again this year, and, and I'm just, it was bad. Like, he played 17 minutes in the first game, 13 minutes in the second game, 15 minutes in the third game, and only eight minutes in the fourth game. But it was like nothing was happening for McDermott. It was not good. Um, but he's coming back. I, I don't know. We'll see. So, like, this could be – so if you look at it for McDermott's for McDermott and the Pacers, it's like the first year, just kind of like an okay regular season – dog shit playoffs second year much better much better almost perfect regular season i mean for what mcdermott's going to bring to you as a team but it did not translate to playoffs so for this third season and this is mcdermott's last year of his contract he's 28 years old this is this should technically be like the, i mean he's in his prime right now he's making seven million dollars a year this is a contract year for mcdermott so he he's got to be on fire for it Hopefully he's once again more aggressive on uh, in the regular season on offense. I don't know. I, I, you know McDermott. I don't know why he can't grab more rebounds or who knows. It'll be interesting. It, it's also going to be totally different with with the new coaching staff. Like maybe maybe he'll play some stretch four or who knows. But the la what I'm trying to get out with on this third season with McDermott is hopefully we get the the regular season. And then also he starts banging down some shots in the playoffs so that we can play him. Because if, if he's not hitting shots in the playoffs, he's, he's unplayable. 
and we need to just move on. And when I think about the team that's currently constructed and I think about the playoffs, you got to probably have eight, I mean, seven, eight, nine guys realistically are only going to play. And right now, if everybody stays healthy, like I don't see McDermott being in that rotation. So I'm not too worried about McDermott, but I'd like to see him. I mean, who knows? Like at 28, he was a, he was a lottery pick for God's sake. I mean, he was 11th pick in the draft. He's got, he's got, he's, I think he was college basketball player of the year at Creighton, but um, we'll see. I'm not, I'm not giving up. I don't think there's necessarily, nobody's asking me if I give up on, on McDermott or not, but I think, I think that he could take, I think he could take another little leap this year and hopefully that translates into the playoffs and, and he, and we see him 15 minutes a game and he knocks down three threes against the heat and the Pacers win, you know, that that's what I'm hoping for. Uh, with Doug McDermott. But overall, I thought he had a much better season in his second year with the Pacers uh, than he did uh, in the first. All right. Next guy I want to talk about, Jeremy Lamb. Uh, This was another first-year guy with the Pacers. Uh, He was on a three-year contract, $31 million, so he's making just over $10 million a year. I think we brought Jeremy Lamb in thinking we need some shot creation, uh, or, you know, like we need somebody who can go out and just get their get a bucket for us off the dribble by themselves. Um, somebody coming off the bench, someone with some length to kind of to kind of play next to Aaron Holiday, who's a little bit of a smaller guard. And my expect my hope is that 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 still happens. But what happened last year with Jeremy Lamb is because of Victor Oladipo's injury, Lamb was inserted into the starting lineup right off the bat. Um Lamb was a guy who started a lot of games. Like, so he only played 46 games last year because uh, he ended up suffering a, what was it? I think it was a a torn ACL um, against the Raptors by all teams. The Raptors the year prior are the team that Oladipo went down against. Then last season, Jeremy Lamb goes down against the Toronto Raptors, torn ACL, um, but basically, but basically like Vic or not, not Vic, but Jeremy Lamb, you know, he just didn't quite ever be in the role that I think he slotted to be in on this team, um, because of the Vic injury and then because of his own injury. Uh, but whenever he was starting, I was really surprised with Jeremy Lamb. He had some monster games. He's really good at rebounding from the guard position um, overall, like when you look at his numbers, they're not going to blow you away, but like, he's a good scorer. He's so he's defense. Like he's solid on the defensive end. He's got good size. Um, he's just kind of a low key dude. He averaged 12 and a half points, four and a half rebounds, a couple assists, just over one steal. I mean, that's pretty good. That's pretty good. Um, but you know, we had, he had that ACL, we had that ACL tear and, and it's not necessarily, I'm, I'm a little, I mean, I don't know what to expect coming into this season. Like, I don't know if he's going to be ready. You know, the NBA season is going to be starting later, but I don't know if that means that that Jeremy Lamb's going to be ready for the start of the season or if he's going to be kind of coming back into the middle of the season. I would probably think it'd be more like he won't be ready to start, but they'll probably st- nurse him in slowly uh, during the regular season. He's only 28, which is kind of at that. He's, start, he's, getting, he's at that age now where it's like, all right, man, time to start hitting it, and that injury just sucks because it probably it's going to take him a year to just knock the dust off of that thing. Um, 
But like I mentioned earlier, like my hopes, my hopes for for Jeremy Lamb in, in this Pacers team is that next season, um, you know, come late April, month of May, when the when the playoffs start, that Jeremy Lamb is up to speed, and I see him as being one of our eight or nine guys. I see it being Vic, Brogdon, Turner, Sabonis, T.J. Warren, Aaron Holiday, Justin Holiday, Jeremy Lamb. And hopefully Goga Bataze. Hopefully Goga Bataze. That would be uh best case scenario for this Pacers team. Uh yeah, I mean I Jeremy Lamb's just a guy that he's smooth. I like Jeremy Lamb. Um but, I mean it just sucks that he got injured, but it, that's what we gotta wait and see what happens with that. Is is uh how does he bounce back from that? So all right. I'm going to just, that's kind of short on Jeremy Lamb, but I, I don't have a ton of stuff to talk about with him. Um, this, this last guy I want to talk about is uh, one of the guys that I'm really, really, really excited about going into next season, and that's um, Aaron Holiday. Uh, so last season was his second year in the league. I think the Pacers took him with the 21st, maybe, draft, 21st pick of the draft two years ago and his rookie season was kind of up and down. He did not get much consistent playing time. Um, he ended up averaging um, 12 minutes a game, six points a game and one and a half assists a game in his rookie season. Go back to last year as a second year player. Um, he basically doubled everything. So he's, Rather than 12 minutes a game, he got 24 minutes a game. Rather than six points a game, he got 10 points a game. Nine and a half points a game. From assists, he went from 1.5 to 3.5. Um, he, sh- he showed a lot of flashes this in his second year, I thought, of just being more comfortable, um, just being more confident out on the court, making decisions, when to take a shot, when to make, a, when to make the pass, when to be aggressive, when to go for a steal. When to, um, you know, kind of, kind of flex up a little bit. When when to get in people's grills. Uh, he 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 was, to me, he seemed like he was like ready to play this year, and um, and he kind of had a tough. Not I don't know if it was tough. I, I guess on one hand he was blessed, on the other hand he was cursed because his role was all over the place during this past season with the Pacers. Um. Example one, in the first three games of the season, he he got DNPs on two of those games. So, like, that means he's not even getting put in the game. So that lets you know where he stands um, with the coaching staff, where where his position is on this roster. I mean, I, I don't know for sure, but I'm going to guess that TJ McConnell played in all three of those games. And, and going into last season to start with, you know, you were kind of looking at McConnell and Aaron Holiday as – as kind of uh, who's going to be the backup point guard. So Aaron, this season's had to start off kind of rough with two DNPs. And then from that point on, then he gets 18 starts. I don't know if it's necessarily in a row, um, but he starts 18 games, either at point guard or shooting guard. And that was just filling in for uh, Jeremy Lamb or Malcolm Brogdon. Uh, All the slew of injuries that the Pacers dealt with this past season. Aaron Holiday goes from a guy not not even getting to play to now being a guy who starts. Fast forward to the end of January when Victor Oladipo comes back. 
Oladipo probably played 12 or 14 games with the Pacers, and in that time, Aaron Holiday draws up five DNPs. He doesn't even get in the game. So, and, and you know, you got to think about Oladipo. Like, he's coming in and definitely pushing Holiday down on the depth chart. And it showed. Holiday was getting DNPs. Um, but then you, then you fast forward again and you go into the bubble and Holiday's starting. He, st- he starts seven of the eight regular season games in the bubble for the Pacers. He starts the first um, two games of the playoffs against the Heat. Before, I, th- I think what happened was, actually, I, now I know, uh, Aaron Holiday starts game one and game two, then Justin Holiday started game three and game four. Granted, the Pacers did not have Sabonis, but I, all, I'm just saying that to say that Aaron Holiday in his second year, it's like, yeah, he got way more run, but he got inconsistent run, and he, got, he didn't have a consistent role. And hopefully going into year three of his career, he's only, t- he's 24, so he was a little bit you know, he spent three years, I think, at UCLA, maybe four years at UCLA. So he's 24. Um, he made great strides from his first year to his second year. I'm expecting another big jump from his second year to his third year. Hopefully uh, Bjorgren and the staff can can kind of whittle out a more consistent role for Aaron. And I think he's, I think he's ready to take advantage of it. I, I love a lot of it. I love a lot of Aaron Holiday and his game, like, I love the, his shot making ability. He's just a, he's just a knockdown shooter from three point line. You look at him at the free throw line. He's money from the free throw line. He can get he can take guys off the bounce. Um, he he could he could do a better job at this, and hopefully he does. But he doesn't. I mean, he averaged three and a half assists last year, um, which you know a guy like McConnell, who's basically just looking to pass, averaged five. Holiday's got a little bit more of a balance where he's trying to score the ball and pass the ball. So he's only averaging three and a half, um, but he just—he's just—he—he's really good offensively, and I think his numbers don't quite back up the the skill level that he actually has on the offensive end. Athletically, he's insane. He's a little undersized at six foot, but he's built—he's—he's he's built wide. Um, he's sturdy. He can use his body as he's driving into the lane to kind of pinball off of defenders and get good looks and draw fouls. Um, defensively, and I want him to do more of this, is just follow TJ McConnell's lead. He did, he did this a few times last year, pick guys up full court. I love that so much, especially especially looking at Aaron Holiday going into next season because this is where he could be so good. He, he can play in the playoffs. I know Aaron Holiday can play in the playoffs next year. And hopefully Brogdon is staying healthy and Brogdon is logging starter minutes, you know, around 28 to 32 minutes a game. And Aaron's coming in, and he's getting about 16 to 22 minutes a game. And you're 24. You're uh, athletically, you're at your. I mean, you're probably at your peak here. I mean, you're not. You're. You're. Like, bring it on the defensive end, man. Like, like, um, like, let's see that. Like, that's where he can make such a big impact for us is being that McConnell type hustle player, but with the skill set of Aaron Holiday, being able to to drill threes, pull up, step back, um, to be able to play make for your teammates. To, uh, I'm, I'm just super excited about Aaron Holiday. And also, you know, I play 2K, and I got the new 2K21 game. Aaron Holiday is legit on NBA 2K. And not every it's that's not the case. I have a really hard time scoring the basketball with, like, Doug McDermott, 
um, or TJ McConnell or Jeremy Lamb. I have a hard time scoring the basketball, but with Aaron Holiday, he's so quick. And I know it's a video game, but the damn thing is realistic. And I'm excited about Aaron Holiday. I think I think he could take another big leap. Um, you know, maybe get up into that like 10 points a game. Uh, or uh, sorry, like more like 12 to 13 points a game, five assists. Who knows? It, it all depends on his minutes, but I think he could have a big role in this team. Um, and I think he could be someone uh, for the Pacers in the future. Um, he's got a quiet demeanor as far as like, just like he doesn't off the court. And, and I'm actually getting a lot of this from the, the vlogs that Justin, his brother, puts out. He just seems pretty quiet and chill. Um but this past season, you know, he like I mentioned, he's definitely been more more vocal and more confident. He ended up get, drawing four technical fouls this past season, and I remember him being fiery. Like there was a time in the bubble whenever he, I talked about this on the pod, but he clapped at Miles Turner at the bubble, like, "Come on, man, get let's get it going." You know, he's 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 engaged. Um, but those four technicals <laughs> made up a good chunk. The whole team on the whole year only had eighteen technical fouls. And and Aaron Holiday had four of those, and I like that. I I want to I want to see that it matters to the players, um, and and so I'm I'm rooting hard for Aaron Holiday, even at the expense of less production from T.J. McConnell, who I also love. But I just think for this team, uh, it's going to overall be better if Aaron Holiday is getting more of those minutes and more of that production. So. Yeah, I'm expecting another big big leap this year. I think he's going to be a contributor in next year's playoffs. Um, yeah, and, and and we will go from there. So, whew, I think that is all that I have. This was a little bit of uh, this was a little bit of a long one, uh, but I hope everybody has a a great Thanksgiving. Um, I I know I'm I sure am thankful. For it's it, you know it, it's very important. I think this is a, is a challenging Thanksgiving because it makes you think about um, not being able to complain about shit and uh, you know not being able to whatever. I you know I, I'll take the uh, I'm digging myself a hole here, but uh, this COVID thing and the masks and the forced vaccine or not forced vaccine or just the pandemic in general. It's just really challenging, I think, um, to deal with. And um, it's as someone who has had, who has good health at the moment, whose family hasn't been affected by it, um, who still has a job. I mean, it's very important to to be thankful uh, for that and know that um, you know you get what you give. So the Verve pipe. I think is the name of the band that sings that. So I will leave the Pacer Pod with that. And thank you for checking out the podcast. Hopefully it's been enjoyable. Um, I've got five more player recaps to do before the season starts. I think training camp begins the first week of December. Then we will be rocking and rolling with the 2020-2021 NBA season. Um, I, I guess uh, the last thing I want to say is just I'm fine. I'm fine with the fact that the Pacers didn't make any moves this season or this offseason, as in trading Miles Turner or trading Victor Oladipo 
I believe that the the, the, the the Pacers' best chance at winning a championship is with the team that they have right now, and that's Brogdon, Oladipo, Warren, Sabonis, Turner, Holiday, Holiday, Goga, McDermott, McConnell. Throw a little cash to Stanley. Throw me a little, uh, uh, what was that dude's name? Jalen Jalen McHugh, maybe. <laughs> he probably won't be on the roster. Um, Sumner. Car Sampson, we're deep. We're deep friends. Um, but I'm I'm fine. I'm fine that we didn't make a move. I'm happy. I hope that just the just the new coaching staff and let's all just breathe and let's just be a good team and let's appreciate each other and let's win some games. I think the Pacers can 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 be a force to be reckoned with. I I really do believe that. I, I like our chances this year. I want. I mean, we gotta win it. We gotta win a playoff series, and so I think the best chance is to get into that four or five seed, um, because I think Philly. Um, I'm. I'm honestly. I'm not even. I'm not even that scared of Miami to be honest, but Philly is definitely good, and uh, Boston's gonna be really good. Milwaukee is gonna be a problem or they might be a disaster i could see milwaukee taking a step back this year brooklyn with Kyrie and kevin durant could be a problem but they also might not be a problem uh i think there's i think there's a chance you know the pacers control what they control and i like our team man five is better than one and i think if we can play with that mentality under nate bjorkren um we could shock the world again, or maybe not again. I, I mean, although, I mean, honestly, it kind of is again, because every year, the, it's like, ever since I started following the Pacers heavily, um, it's been like, wow, well, the Pacers, even with Oladipo out, they, they're a home court advantage team. We're like, oh, well, who thought Sabonis was going to be this good? Or, oh, or you know, all the, all this stuff about the Pacers, always surprising teams. And I'm, I would assume that when the, when the power rankings or when the, when the experts start put, putting out their picks for the Eastern Conference, I doubt the Pacers are going to be anywhere above seven um, in in the seeding. But I'm, I I I know that this team can play, and especially man, especially if Oladipo is, is anything like anything like he was before the injury. Um, we got Sabonis, who I'll I'll save some of this for for the next time, but like. You know he makes he's made huge leaps the past three seasons from from a bench guy to a starter to an all star. Actually, that was in one leap. He went from being on the bench to being a starter and an all star. He's only twenty four. We got Brogdon if he can stay healthy. I mean T.J. Warren dropped fifty three. Miles Turner scratching the surface. He's twenty four. Like this team is. I, I, you know, I, I, this team is loaded, in my opinion. We don't have that A A talent, but we have B to B plus talent across the starting lineup, and with good coaching and good team, uh, a good team environment, and just a willingness to outwork teams. I think this. I don't see why this team couldn't win a bunch of games, um, win a playoff series or two. So. Uh, we shall see. That's that's going to be it for tonight. I appreciate everybody checking out the pod, and we will talk to you later. Peace.